Look who it is, everyone. It's the man who's destroyed every small business in the city. Mr. Tory. Ha! Did you see that clip there? That was, you know, That's a, a teaser there for a longer video I'm going to get into in a minute. Hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. Um, it's a pleasure to be back with you uh, for our noontime live stream. We are on the YouTube channel, but as you may know, um, YouTube throttles us, censors us, has demonetized us, suspended us for a week, and we are at uh, their mercy. They will likely cut us off, in my opinion, this is just speculation, I believe they're going to try and cut us off before the uh, 2021 Canadian federal election. They're under enormous pressure in the United States from Joe Biden, but uh, for a much longer period of time from Justin Trudeau and Stephen Gilbo in Canada, uh, who have named YouTube repeatedly as their central target. Um, gee, I wonder who, who they could be talking about. We are the largest independent YouTube channel in, in Canada, and although many of our viewers around the world we're in Canada, we have a Canadian focus, and we are the leading critics of Justin Trudeau, more so even than Aaron O'Toole, who seems to agree with Trudeau on so much, whether it's um, the carbon tax or the lockdowns or immigration levels. It's really, I, I'm trying to think of any disagreements of substance between O'Toole and Trudeau. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. We are in some ways the unofficial opposition, so he wants to silence us. I think I told you the other day, I was convicted a second time for my book, The Libranos. Number one best-selling book in Canada, pretty cool. Uh, there were 23 other books about Trudeau during the same uh, election. Combined, they didn't even have the reach that Libranos had, that tells you something. But of those 24 books published during the election, only mine was prosecuted by the election commissioner as an illegal campaign book. But all 24 books had a point of view. Some were critical of Trudeau, and by that I mean mine, and the other 23 were praised Trudeau, including Aaron Wary's CBC book and the Post Media book, both of which are heavily subsidized by the Trudeau government itself. So yeah, they convicted me of writing the Libranos, they fined me $3,000, and then they convicted me again and upheld the fine. Uh, so of course they want to shut down our YouTube channel. Why wouldn't they? It's a, by far the biggest megaphone we have. So we're live streaming on YouTube just till they kick us off. At the same time, we're on superu.net, which is a Canadian free speech channel. We're on rumble.com, also headquartered in, in Canada, believe it or not. And we're on Odyssey. And um, I'm told by the team that Odyssey now accepts uh, donations, including for... Um, like in regular currency, you don't just have to use their cryptocurrency. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's hard for me to keep an eye on all of the different chat uh, feeds on the four different video platforms I just mentioned. So I'm going to rely on Justin, as I always do, to send me the interesting ones um, to my computer here. But let me tell you what I want to talk about today. First of all, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, is it appropriate to heckle or harass politicians if you meet them on the street? It's a good question. Um, there were terrifying videos out of the United States pretty much for a year about Black Lives Matter and Antifa activists going up just to random people on, in outdoor cafes and just threatening them and swearing at them and shouting at them, mainly because they were just 
white, I think. And that not only felt terrifying, it felt that there was a threat of, of physical violence there. And those were people who were private citizens. They were not public officials in any way. I found those repellent. I also think that anytime you threaten a political figure on the right or the left with some sort of violence, I think that's unacceptable as well. Uh, I think of the fact that Rand Paul was beaten so badly his ribs were broken by his Democrat neighbor, or Steve Scalise was shot by a Democrat activist. So obviously those are extreme examples. But I think anything that, that is violent or threatens violence is a no-go. And the final thing I would say is going to a person's personal home, family home, um, in a way that would intimidate those within the house or, or dox them in some other way. I don't think that's right. And if they're out with their kids, I think you, I think you give kids, uh, politicians a pass. You don't want politicians using their kids as some sort of a human shield. But uh, I don't think that any politician ought to have his minor children. So I'm not talking about Hunter Biden, who's a grown-up. But I'm talking about minor children, children of tender years, let's say that. So those are my general rules, and I, I'd be interested in what you think about them, because I want to show you two videos that test that theory in real life. The first was actually about a month ago in Calgary, and it was against their abusive, law-breaking, lockdown-cheating health minister named Tyler Shandro, the one who specifically ordered all the pastors thrown in prison, and then he himself was later caught breaking the lockdown rules at the Sky Palace dinner party with expensive booze. So his name is Tyler Shandro. I think he's just truly one of the most awful politicians in all of Canada. He's personally responsible. I mean, he's, he's a militant atheist, which normally I wouldn't comment on. I wouldn't think it's interesting, other than he has led the charge against these Christian pastors. And I think he's got some personal vendetta that he's acting out. It's pretty weird. Um, so someone saw him and his family at some, I think it was a Canada Day event, and he had been hiding in government buildings and hiding at the Sky Palace. So this was one of the first times he was in public. And of course, he had banned gatherings. So he wanted to go out with his family. And someone saw him. And I just want to play, do we have that clip handy? So here's Tyler Shandro about a month ago. And I'm going to come back to the John Tory example that I showed you a second of. So stay with me. I want to show you the Tyler Shandro example from Calgary. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. And then I'm going to show you what happened a couple of days ago in Toronto when John Tory. And again, I always want to say Canada's worst mayor, but then immediately people bring up other mayors, and I think, yeah, you got a point there. So he's one of Canada's worst mayors. He's tied in first place for Canada's worst mayor. I'll come to that video in a moment. So here's Tyler Shandro being accosted in public. Uh, he's the lockdown architect of Alberta, and here's a person giving him an earful. Now! Arrest Shandro now! Arrest Shandro now! I don't now. have any audio. Arrest Shandro now! Give me the audio? What do you got to say, Shandro, for your war crimes? What do you got to say? Crimes against humanity, medical coercion. You made a lot of kids cry, buddy. You're a murderer. What do you got to say? What do you got to say? Medical coercion is a crime against... I'm sorry, buddy, but your father is a war criminal. Forcing people to take an experimental vaccine? Yeah, why are you giving people an unsafe, unapproved experimental vaccine? Criminal! Lock Chandro up! 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 Lock
Lock Sandro up! Lock Sandro up! What do you gotta say to all the thousands of businesses you've destroyed, Mr. Sandro? What do you gotta say to all the Albertans whose lives you've destroyed? You've destroyed thousands and thousands of Albertans' businesses and lives with your lies. What do you have to say? You're going to prison, Tyler. You're going to prison. You're going to prison, Chandro. Right here, guys. We got a war criminal right here in Alberta, Calgary, Alberta. A war criminal. What do you have to say to all the people whose lives you destroyed? Hmm? What do you have to say? about Kevin J. Johnson being a political prisoner. Why did AHS and the government throw us? What do you think of that? Um, I, I missed the audio of the first part, but Justin, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me just say a few things that did not happen there. I don't think there was any threat of violence, was there? No. I didn't hear any swearing, did you? No, I didn't. Um, there was no physical touching. There was no threat of physical touching. Uh, so really what we had there was words. And um, some of the words were, I think, a little bit overheated. Your father is a war criminal. Uh, when I talked about this video when it first came out, I said, he's not a war criminal. There's no war. War crimes are a very specific accusation. I think he meant to say crimes against humanity, which he said at another point in time. Again, I think that's probably overly dramatic, but it's an opinion. Um, lock him up. Lock Shandro up. You know, that's a fun chant that Donald Trump's uh, supporters really started five years ago about Hillary Clinton. Um, and people say, oh, that's overheated. Well, it's, it's an expression that, uh, a belief that the person in power has done, done something criminal. Um, and occasionally that does happen. Uh, I'll just give you the obvious example of Chicago, where you know, pretty much every single governor of that state going back years has in fact been locked up. I think of Rod Blagojevich. Uh, who went to prison. So you do occasionally lock politicians up. And it's a bit of a chant. It's not, it doesn't mean we're going to grab them and falsely imprison them. It's a, it's a way of saying, you're so bad, we want you prosecuted, convicted, sentenced, and jailed. And, and I think that might be overheated. But it's saved in some way by the fact that Shandro was locking other people down in his lockdown and locking other people up, uh, three, I think it might even be four Christian pastors in Alberta, um, uh, Pastor James Coates from Grace Life, Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky and his brother David Pavlovsky, so I guess we're at three, Tim Stevens is four, and I think, I'd have to check if there was a fifth pastor um, from Calgary who, maybe he's just been charged, I don't know if he's done jail time yet. So saying lock Shandro up, well, it's what he's doing to other people. 
who have not committed crimes. So there's actually, I think, more, I would grant more leeway to someone chanting that um, because lockdowns and lockups have been happening at the hands of Shandro. Um, you've destroyed businesses, you've destroyed lives, you're going to prison. Um, my one beef with that interaction was that there was kids right there. And it was that sort of a family kind of thing. So saying your father is a war criminal, again, I, I think legally that's not true. I would say it's probably a, you know, just a heartfelt opinion. But my one beef with what we saw there was that the, the kids were brought into it. And the kids were handed off to strangers fairly soon there. But let me conclude with what I saw in Calgary there. Don't, don't bring the kids into it. Don't drag the kids into it. And if the, if the spouse is not a political spouse, uh, like Jill Biden, uh, Joe Biden's wife, and really the de facto president in a number of ways, she's very much at the heart of the government, so she's fair game. Melania, less so. She really just did a few first lady-ish things, but she was not, you know, she was not a surrogate for the president in any substantial ways. Baron Trump, again, obviously completely private citizen. So I would say leave the kids out of it, leave the spouses out of it if they're not involved in politics. But my conclusion of that Calgary event, and I'm going to come to the Toronto event in a moment, the Calgary event, it was a public event. It was right after the lockdowns. It's while, actually, I think that was recorded. There were still pastors in prison. And other than haggling, ha heckling the kid, which I don't think was right, really it was just someone's hot opinions that I believe were truly held by that person. I don't think politicians should be immune from being heckled, even annoying heckles even ones that may not be true or perfectly accurate, yeah, you're, you're a political leader, uh, one of the most powerful cabinet ministers in the province. You abused your power in a number of ways. You violated norms of society, including civil liberties. Um, yeah, you, part of our democratic system is that ordinary people get to say mean things to you. It's, it's actually our civil right. We, there is no right not to be offended, but we have a wonderful right to be offended. And that heckler was offended. And free speech gives him the right to, to speak out. He didn't swear. He didn't threaten. There was no physical violence or threat of it. So other than the kids part, I give that a it's fair. I, I don't think I would have had the same approach. Um, but I think that, and so my advice, I remember I said this on the show about a month ago to Charlotte Tyler Shandra was expect more of this if you show your face uh, in an uncontrolled environment. I mean, he... Has, he has since been very careful to vet anyone who comes in contact with him. He's sort of got that bunker mentality because so many people hate him on the left and the right. But that's the price you pay for doing wildly unpopular things that I think are immoral. Um, so I really don't have a lot of sympathy for Chandra other than for his kids. There you go. That was what I said three weeks ago. I think that was on Canada Day. Now I'd like to show you something that I think was over the weekend. I'm not sure the exact date of it. And I don't know who was filming this, um, but this is Mayor John Tory uh, at some outdoor patio. And Tory has had a very particular war against restaurants. You might recall that he was the one who sent 100 police to raid a uh, barbecue restaurant called Adamson's Barbecue, Adam Skelly. Riot squad, riot horses, 50 police cars. 
like just a complete shock and awe, abusive, dangerous raid with no uh, police policing justification. War on restaurants. Can you type in BBC lockdown Toronto? Toronto's had the longest lockdown of any uh, city in the world. It's hard to believe. You'd think maybe someplace in China would. Are you kidding? They had the, the shortest lockdowns. How about someplace where the disease was the worst? Here, look at this BBC story. Toronto lockdown, one of the world's longest. They ask it as a question, but they actually, in the story, they prove it. So we're making international news for being the worst place in the world. And... Um, so the restaurants finally opened, like I think on Friday night or something, and I went out to an Italian restaurant in my neighborhood. And the weird thing, just I think I told you this, I was the only person in the restaurant. Like it wasn't, like it's an old, you know, established restaurant. Everybody knows that it's in the restaurant. It's like 30 years old and it's got good food and it's not super expensive. And it's, um, you know, it's very, like it's a good restaurant. Uh, it's not like a takeout joint or something. It's a real restaurant. And I'm, I've, I've been looking forward to going there for a long I go there, I'm literally the only person in the entire restaurant. I wasn't there at some weird hour. I couldn't quite understand it. When I left, there was one person on the patio outside. I don't know what's going on. I think, can, I think, <laughs> I think Torontonians and, and Ontarians and to, to an extent Canadians everywhere have been conditioned like a prisoner that's in prison for so long. When you open the, the um, prison cell door and say you can go now, some people say, no, um, I'm sort of comfy in here. I, I know I've got my 10 feet by 10 feet and I know where my stuff is and I'm sort of used to the routines now and I've psychologically accommodated myself to this. It's a form of Stockholm Syndrome. And by the way, that happens in real life. Some people don't want to leave prison. When the terms, I've ever heard that just as a phenomenon. Some people don't want to, especially if they've been in for literally decades, they don't know how to leave. In fact, there are cases of people committing crimes just to go back into prison. I know that sounds outlandish and impossible. That is a form of psychological conditioning. Stockholm Syndrome is another manifestation of it. I couldn't believe that this restaurant wasn't packed. I would have thought, surely, all its customers would be happy to... No, it was empty. So, enough talk about the disaster that has befallen uh, Toronto. And by the way, none of that was at the hands of the virus. That was at the hands of politicians, including this man who has the audacity to go out and sit on a public patio so the whole world can see him. Well, guess what? The whole world did see him, including one guy who wasn't pleased about it. Here, roll the tape, and I'm going to let this go for about a minute and a half or two minutes. This whole video, I think, is seven minutes long. I'm not going to play all seven minutes, but I want to play some of it uh, so you get the feeling for it. And again, it's similar to the Tyler Shandro encounter I just showed you. But I got some different thoughts on this one. Go ahead, roll the clip. Good as everyone, it's the man who's destroyed every small business in the city. Mr. Tory, how's it going? All right, thank you very much. So how do, how do you feel being here, knowing that you've destroyed every small business? Don't you feel guilty being here in public, knowing that all these people here have been affected by your draconian measures? Do you have anything to say about that? Excuse me. People here tonight, we're just having dinner, but the people here tonight have actually said that this program that's put all these extra patio seats out here is something they really welcome, and they're very enthusiastic about it. How do you feel that you've destroyed? How many families have you destroyed? How many children's, how much child's mental health have you destroyed? How many businesses have you destroyed from your policies? Do you feel any guilt or regret for what you've done to this city? Do you feel any guilt or regret for what you've done? Very badly, but I feel 
not even worse about the 4,000 people in Toronto that died from COVID-19. And we saved lives. How many families have been affected by your draconian policies? How many children are suffering? How much? How many drug? How many drug overdoses? How many suicides have been done from your draconian measures? You and Eileen Davila, you are responsible for destroying this city. Do you feel any guilt? Any guilt at all? Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. We're the longest lockdown city in the world. In the world. How many businesses have you destroyed? Do you feel any guilt for what you have done? Anything? He's eating dinner peacefully. So many human beings. Broken up so many families. Do me a favor. You can take my picture all you want. Go to City Hall and take this is when he's at work. He's having dinner. Let's have dinner. I do. Go to City Hall. Go to City Hall. Go to City Hall and deal with it. Go to City Hall and do it. You'd be best to You'd be best to carry on. Trust me on this. How can you guys serve this man that has destroyed your restaurant? Okay, that's Next okay. time you have dinner, I'm gonna come and do this to you. Yeah. You fucking pieces of shit. Okay. Give the guy a break. You're making a huge error right now. No, He should be held accountable for. He's destroying the city. He's destroying children's lives. He's brainwashing little children. How many children died of COVID? Okay, you gotta back off. No, I'm not gonna back off. This is our city. This is our city. Okay, I'm right paying taxes right for you. I'm paying taxes to this fucking clown. You think this is smart? I'm paying tax for this clown. Yeah, this is not smart. He's having his I have a right here. No, we don't have freedom of speech. They've been arresting people for protesting. He is responsible Let because the guy people were protesting. Call the cops. Call the cops. Protesting, and he asked the is this the best thing you have to do in your life? To is this what you want to do in your life? To He's destroyed my. This man destroyed my life. This guy has destroyed. This man has destroyed my life. This is not the. How did he destroy your life? All these lockdowns have killed, have, have caused so much depression, has destroyed my family. Give us a break, please. This is not the place to talk. It's embarrassing. Come on. Why don't you answer? You're here. It's embarrassing that you don't see what's happening in the city, and we're still locked down. You're embarrassing yourself. Exactly, yeah. Okay, good. He's allowed to have dinner. Yeah. No, he's not. No, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be allowed to have dinner. He should be ashamed of himself. He's showing his face in public, like everything is fine. He's embarrassing. Just stay away. Why? Why? We all support you. We believe you. Well, I'll bother anyone if Doug Ford was here. I'll tell him. I'll tell him the same thing. The guy who supported these draconian unscientific measures. These are completely unscientific. Keep going back to the fourth wave now. What about the booster shot? Florida has been open for the last year, and you 
Don't do it here on the street. Please don't disturb us. This is not going to go anywhere either. This is our street. Right? Yes, my street. Do you want to impose vaccine passports? What do you think of that? You know what? Um, that, that's actually riveting TV, I got to tell you. I, um, I didn't think I was, what was that, about seven minutes? How long was that, into, about seven minutes? How many views on the, on the original YouTube? Uh, I actually saw this on a lot of other social media. I saw it on Twitter. I think I saw it on an Instagram video. How many folks have watched it on the, on the YouTube platform there? Um, I don't know the answer, uh, and that's not even, most people would have seen it on these other social media. But I I saw that make the rounds. In fact, um, Brian Lilly, the disgraced uh, reporter who left Rebel News and and now works for John Tory's Toronto Sun, um, he's he's a terrible journalist. He he sleeps with uh, Doug Ford's press aides, so if you're wondering why Brian Lilly's reportage is so supportive of Doug Ford. That might be a tiny reason. And so it's not surprising to see him uh, fluff for John Tory. Can you put up Brian Lilly's article or that tweet? Yeah. Let John Tory and other politicians have a private life. I think um, that's called projection. Brian Lilly was embarrassed when his sexual relationship with Doug Ford's press assistant was revealed because how can you be sleeping with Doug Ford's press secretary and not disclose that when you're the lead reporter for the Toronto Sun about Doug Ford? Like, how can you not disclose that? So I think that that's in the mind of Brian Lilly. And I think also the Toronto Sun really obeys 
John Tory. But his argument is, let politicians have dinner and don't bug them. Let John Tory and other politicians have a private life. Now, I agree with a private life, but when you are sitting in a public street, publicly visible to the public walking by, and when you yourself have issued public edicts that not only limit people's public lives, but their private lives too, I think the line moves a little bit. And I would say there's two differences between this and the Tyler Shandro video. The first is that there were no kids involved. There was no kids shown on screen there at all. Um, I don't even know if if that's a bar where kids are allowed because I saw some alcohol. So that kids thing doesn't apply. And this isn't a private home. It's not uh, a, a private thing. Now, his wife was with him, and but... I don't think that's a mitigating factor. She was not brought into the conversation at all. Um, I think that what you saw here is actually the first time there's been a real debate, a real opposition to lockdownism in Toronto in 18 months. Every single governing body in Canada Every city hall, every provincial legislature, the federal parliament, it's all been unanimous. Even though it's not unanimous with the people, there is no governing party or opposition party that's opposed to the lockdowns. There's no College of Physicians and Surgeons. There's no media outlet that's opposed to the lockdowns in any essential way. No court has ever ruled against them. No pop culture icon has come out against them. No institution of many, no civil liberties association other than the Justice Center and ourselves have come out against them. And my point is for a year and a half, no one had a chance to debate things. Certainly not on social media where they'll silence you, suspend you, block you if you have the wrong views on these things. So I think what happened here is for the first time in a year and a half, now patios have been open with some limits in, in Ontario for a little bit longer, but like I say, restaurants themselves have only really been open for three days now, four days. So I think what happened is someone who had a lot to say and who was upset by the lockdowns and who claims that they've been hurt by the lockdowns, and I believe it, for the first time ever had a chance to talk back to power because there has been no meaningful debate in any legislature. There has been no meaningful opposition. There has been no reality check on the lockdownist politicians because all they hear in the Toronto Star and um, Brian Lilly and uh, the, um, you know, and his mistress uh, in, in the Tory party, all they've had is official media. And so a regular guy with a camera has a chance to accost John Tory. It's like a year and a half of pent up democracy had to come out in that one moment. My favorite line <laughs> was that one guy who says, you want to be effective? Write an email. Ah, yes. Writing an email to a politician. That'll change them. Now, I will acknowledge um, that that seven-minute video, which was noisy. I think there was a second guy who swore. I think I heard a swear once. 
And maybe the first guy, I, I couldn't quite hear, he may have sworn once as in, yeah, people were swearing at them, that's for sure. Um, they said, you're ruining our dinner. And I think the whole time of this entire encounter was about seven minutes, maybe eight minutes. So I don't know if I would say that's ruining the dinner. It's certainly interrupting, and it's causing a scene. And, you know, a cop might even say you're causing a disturbance. And, and I think that there should be some public order laws. I think there should be. Like, let's say that patio, let's say instead of an angry citizen, let's say you had a, a, a drunk hobo who was just shouting swears at people. Should police be able to move him along? I think probably. But I, but I don't think that this is in the same category as a drunk hobo. I think there was maybe one or two swears directed at the mayor in the seven-minute inter- interaction. There are many more swears pushing back. And the other side came out on the street and had a debate. Like, I think that guy in the pink shirt, I think he was the proprietor. At least it felt that way. So he was having a debate. Um... Go to City Hall with some advice. Oh, well, you know, that's a good idea, but City Hall's closed. I remember last year when we went to City Hall, security and police told us to get out. Um, I thought there were some funny lines. You're worse than the crackhead mayor. He was referring to Rob Ford. I thought that was sort of funny. Um, there was some booing of the interrogator because I think that's Yorkville which there's Yorkdale in Toronto, which is like a huge mall. I think it's the largest mall in Canada, the 401 Highway and uh, Allen Road. It's a very large mall. So that's called Yorkdale. But there's a really fancy neighborhood, um, I don't know my streets, Bloor and something, called uh, Yorkdale. Some of the fanciest shops, fanciest restaurants in the whole city. So the people there are most likely the lockdown class. They haven't missed a paycheck. Maybe they've gotten rich over the lockdown. They, they're the kind of folks who can work from home on Zoom. And, um, you know, the mayor himself is worth probably $50 million to $100 million. I know his family has four houses in that big Palm Beach compound. You know, starting price is $10 million a house. So he's, he's extremely rich. He's not just sort of rich. He's, he's not a billionaire, but he's probably the richest mayor in Toronto history. So that's his class. They don't understand some grubby guy on the street asking questions of the mayor. Now, it, to the mayor's credit, he actually engaged uh, for about a minute with some um, answers. He said, well, we put out extra patio seats. Restaurants love me. Sure, I shut down them, but I, I let them have bigger patios. Oh, yeah, you, you, really, you really were a saint. Um, the guy said, what, how do you feel about all the, the people who died because of the lockdown? He said he feels worse for those who died from COVID. All right, so he had some talking points. I'll, listen, I'll give John Dory credit. He actually talked to the guy for a minute uh, before the guy was swarmed um, by staff. Go to City Hall. You're making a huge error. I don't think the guy on the street made a huge error. In fact, I think it was the most effective criticism of... John Tory, like the guy in Calgary who maybe needed more than one message. The thing about the Calgary guy, he just kept saying crimes against humanity. Like he, like he, he wasn't really prepared for it. I think it was an accident that he bumped into Tyler Shandro, and he didn't have a ton of things to say. He's not a professional wordsmith. Politicians never run out of things to say, but ordinary citizens who encounter them by chance 
maybe they're not ready to go five minutes or seven minutes straight. They've run out of things to say. I think that was evident in the Tyler Shandro interaction, and maybe that was the same here. He, um, the guy who heckled Tory was not the most eloquent. It wasn't Cicero. But I think he made, and let me say this, and Justin, what do you think? I think that was the most, I'm, I'm not saying it was the smartest criticism, the most effective in terms of arguments or rationale or facts, but I think that was the most opposition John Tory has received in a year and a half. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it was even all correct. But John Tory has been living in a bubble, the bubble of his condo, the bubble of wherever he hangs out. You know, he's, he has been insulated from any disagreement. And um, everyone was shocked that someone would dare agree because they've never been exposed to the other point of view. Democracy has failed. And so Shandro and, and John Tory are, I think they actually are shocked that anyone would be so mad at them because they're surrounded by yes men all the time. Um, I'm just looking at my other notes. You know, I think the restaurateur said, is this what you want to do with your life? Well, um, I, th I think that <laughs> we just had 18 months of lockdown where, in, where very few of us were allowed to do with our lives what we wanted, in part because of John Tory. Um, I don't know if you heard, will there be another lockdown in the fall? That's a great question. And um, go back to Sheila's tweet. I think I, did I send you Sheila's tweet? So Sheila responded to Brian Lilly's um, article in, in the Toronto Sun. And I don't know why they don't put a disclaimer that Brian Lilly's sleeping with Doug Ford's press secretary. Like, how is that not relevant to everything he writes? You can't trust Brian Lilly. His, um, his wife and five kids know that. Um, so here's what Sheila wrote. If people now have to tell bouncers in a bar if they've been vaccinated, then this is a world without privacy. And it's being made that way by politicians. As such, people will act accordingly. It's a consequence of the world Tory wants. Don't like it, but I don't make the rules. That is a very perceptive tweet by Sheila. Um, for the last year and a half, we've allowed the government to tell us incredible things, like can we meet with our extended family? Can we go out of our house for reasons that are not essential? Hang on, it's essential to me. Oh, no, 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 no. John Tory and the people on that patio will decide what's essential or not. So for a year and a half, our public and private decisions have been made the business of the state. And now, as Sheila correctly points out, you have to tell some bouncer your private medical history. Uh, I think it was it Matt Walsh who, who said the right answer to that is, to, 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 are you menstruating right now? Like, what a personal medical question. How dare you be so, such a gross and creepy voyeur? That's a, or or uh, Tucker Carlson, when he was asked by some reporter if he was vaxxed, said, hey, when was the last time you had sex with your wife and what position were you in? Like, that's a shocking thing to, to ask and to say. But how is that any different from saying, hey, can you tell me a little bit about your private medical history? Um, can you tell me about what medicines you were taking, what injections you took, and the medical thing? Like, who the hell are you? And now every bouncer, every restaurant, every two-bit no nobody who wants to be your boss and your prison guard demands to know your vaccine status? Who the hell are you? So yeah, that's the world we're in right now. So I, I think the, the boundary for what's pu public and private, I don't understand 
why Tyler Shandro can literally lock up Christian pastors, but you can't chant at him, lock him up. I don't understand why John Tory can literally shut down the great restaurant city of Toronto for a year and then boast, oh, well, I let them have an extra patio and I'm private. I, why are you interrupting with my right to dine? Well, you, you sort of destroyed the, the right to, to go to a restaurant and the right for a restaurant to provide service and the right for waiters and waitresses and bartenders to have jobs. You've sort of done that for a year. That's not your power, but you did it anyways and no one stopped you. So it's a little bit late to be so prissy about your, your privacy when you're not in private. If you want to avoid interacting with the public, if you are someone who has been as tyrannical, give me the B-roll of that raid on Adam Skelly's restaurant. Adam Skelly is a young entrepreneur who thought there wasn't anything wrong with having people who chose to, to come to his restaurant to get a smoked uh, brisket sandwich or whatever. And <laughs> that's not a crime, by the way. These health orders are not criminal law. None of them have a custodial sentence, by which I mean you can't be jailed, even though all these guys have been jailed. Um, so what's the right response to a restaurant that won't close? Well, John Tory um, ordered the largest police operation in Toronto since the G20. Uh, 50 police cars, 100 cops. I saw four horses. I, th I was told there were six. Do you have any B-roll of that? And the police horses, like they, they galloped in even though there were children there. So if that's what you're doing to a restaurant because someone, <laughs> someone went to the restaurant, yeah, like here come the horses at a bit of a trot. That's a bit of a, that's, that's a, bit of a trot. There are, there are women and children there and you're running those horses in like that? And the cops are just arresting everyone and there's a hundred people? Like, this is the size of an operation. And then that guy hugs him and the, and the cops, <laughs> that, that fella hugs Adam Skelly. The cops arrested him and charged him too, by the way. Um, I think he's down on the ground there. Yeah, they're just, they're really going after that guy. Yeah, they, really, they take him down. Why do they take him down? Because he hugged Adam Kelly. Look at that. Skelly, Adam Skelly. I think, yeah, there's Adam Skelly. This is great footage by um, Lincoln J, our videographer. So this is how a restaurateur was handled. 50 police cars, roads blocked off, police riot horses, you saw them galloping in. That's not police work. That's political shock tactics. So you're the mayor that, and don't tell me this was done based on police thinking. This was done on a political order from the mayor. There's no way an operation of this size would not have been approved by the mayor. So this is what John Tory did to a restaurant he didn't like. Okay, thanks. And so some guy sees the mayor on a patio after a year of lockdowns and ask them some prickly questions? Yeah, I'm going to say that's fair game. I just think it is. And the reaction by the lockdown class, how dare you? Don't you know your place? Go to City Hall and write an email. You want to be effective? Write you know, what was that one guy? Um, do you want, is this really what you want to do with your life? No, I don't think it's what anyone wants to do with their life. Um, but we've all been forced to do it. You're embarrassing yourself. Maybe he was, but um, that's a point of view. I think he was trying to embarrass the mayor because that's a tool we use in a nonviolent democracy. 
we don't punch the mayor or threaten the mayor or stab the mayor or hurt the mayor or kid it. We don't do anything violent. We use the power of moral condemnation. And um, when that's successful, it involves embarrassment. Um, I think that uh, what we saw there was fair game. Let's take some, let's take some chats. Laszlo the instigator, I'm 100% behind harassing Shandro. How else can you redress grievances with your government with someone who hides? His children should know how people feel about his father. If he doesn't like it, hide more. I'm going to disagree with you on the kids part. I, uh, I think that Shandro should leave his kids at home when he's out at public events because this will likely happen, po possibly for the rest of Shandro's term in politics. And that's a result of him antagonizing millions of people with capricious and punitive laws. And I just don't think the kids should pay a price for that, but I think that's within Shandro's control. If Shandro wants to be out in public, he should expect this. And so his wife and kids who are, are non-political should, should not accompany their dad when he goes out and about. Hyperchat, five libraries from my room in agony. No, they deserve humiliation in front of their families. They are evil. They are literally jabbing kids over 12 with an experimental vaccine. The gloves are off. I, I, I'm not saying that Shandro himself doesn't deserve humiliation. I'm saying that, you know, when, when you say, when you stop and speak to a child, your father is a war criminal. If I was out and about with my kids and someone's, some adult started talking to my kids about something, like other than, you know, that's a cute puppy or you're a good girl or whatever, like if, they, if there was anything substantive, political, I'd say, who are you, you creep? Get away from my kids. So I don't think the kids need to be the target. And, but I have no problem with moral condemnation and verbal condemnation that doesn't rise to the level of threats. And, and I think that swears are lawful. I think you just want to be judicious with swearing. There's a time and a place for them. Um, <coughs> car painter refused them service. That's the right answer. Can you, you remember that story we, we showed from the UK? Uh, I don't know why, you know, I think that Canadians some, sometimes lack self-respect. We certainly lack um, the freedom instinct that you see in the United States. And in the UK, pubs, neighborhood pubs, have a historical cultural role that we don't have here in Canada. And it takes a while to get used to when you're over there. Look at this, lifetime pub ban for Warrington MP who backed 10 p.m. curfew. Uh, can you uh, scroll down just a little bit and give me some more size here? An MP has received a lifetime ban from the pubs, bars, and clubs in his own town following his support for the recent 10 p.m. coronavirus curfew. Warrington South MP Andy Carter will be barred from some 30 venues in the Cheshire town after the local pub watch group voted unanimously to ban him. Members said Mr. Carter had shown the industry no support. <laughs> the conservative said using the pub safety scheme for political aims brought it into disrepute. No, sir, you're the disreputable one. Thanks. It's just a great story. Pub watch is like a volunteer. It's like a crime stoppers for pubs. They s sort of look out for each other. It's like an industry group. And really one of the things that, that they do in pub watch is, you know, there's sometimes hooligans especially if there's football games going on. So they, they sort of, it's like casinos sometimes share pictures of people who are like um, thieves or whatever or, or um, frauds. 
They just said, don't, you know, if you see this guy, don't let him in. Uh, the pubs do the same for people who are rowdy and get drunk and fight. So it's like a, it's a mutual aid society. So the pub watch said, yeah, this guy wants to shut us down. Um, you're not welcome here. And you know what? At last, some self-respect. And I don't know how any Canadian restaurant, pub, bar, whatever, we don't even have pubs in the same way that they have. Where the pub is, a family goes to a pub. First of all, they're family friendly. They, they serve drinks, obviously, but kids go there. They don't serve the kids drinks, but you know, they serve the, the grown-ups drinks. And people hang out there for quite a while. It's usually uh, meals there. So you go there for like a Sunday lunch and you stick around for hours and kids, uh, kids play with other kids. They may maybe go out to the green outside. It's a whole thing. So it's, it's like if someone said, Ezra, you're banned from that Italian restaurant in your neighborhood. I'd say, oh, okay, so, you know, I'll eat at one of 100 other restaurants. But pubs, being banned from a pub, it's not just a place to get a bite. It's where you catch up with your neighbors and your friends and your family, and you spend hours, and the kids meet other kids. Like, it's a whole thing. I, I, it's really wonderful, and I didn't understand it until I experienced it. Because you, like, what is that like? Well, everyone, it's, it's like in Cheers, where everyone knows everyone, except for in Cheers, the TV show from the 90s or whatever, 80s. Um, it was just grown-ups, right? It was all people coming after work to drink, like sad people who hate their jobs going to drink their sorrows away at that pub called Cheers. That's not, the, the pub experience, I mean, obviously there's that too, but the pub experience that I think is so valuable in the UK, it's a positive place where all families go for, for, to spend hours, including a meal. So to be banned from that, it's not just you're, you're being banned from the fish and chips, or banned from, you know, the, the full English breakfast or whatever. You're being banned from those social communities. And for a politician, that's extra bad. So congratulations to the 30 pubs, bars, restaurants in Cheshire town there. Shame on that politician for hurting his own community. And my long-winded discourse here is a way of saying, where is the self-respecting restaurants, bars, and pubs in this country to say, you locked us down? You're not welcome here. You tried to destroy us. You didn't just disagree with us. You didn't just scold us. You tried to kill us. You did kill us for a year. Hyper chat, history club world. Do you think that anything will actually happen to see if the government acted properly with COVID? An investigation that is fairly conducted, do you think it'll be rubber stamped for their actions? Also, that Chandra video went on too long. It wasn't proper. As for Tori, he looked like he is High Stroogie, I don't know what that is. Um, yeah, listen, both of those videos went on too long. And it's because those guys who were antagonizing those politicians weren't silver-tongued devils who are practiced in the arts of rhetoric. You know, they're probably working-class guys who had a few talking points and said them and didn't quite get their words right and maybe weren't part of the debating club. Probably didn't go to college where there was a debating club. Uh, but that's the thing. Normally, we allow people to transmit to have delegates, to have representatives for their points of view, do you have a journalist who's asking aggressive questions on behalf of people? No, you have Brian Lilly who's sleeping with the premier's press aide. Do you have um, lawyers who are, and judges who are challenging the state? No, you have judges upholding the lockdown. Do you have opposition parties that are grilling the government about their lockdowns? No, every opposition party supports them. Do you have any check and balance? No, you don't. So when these people finally encounter the politicians, they have no proxy, they had no delegate, they had no agent, they had no representative doing it for them, and a year and a half worth of venting happened in 10 minutes. 
Super, your hammer school 88. They need to feel our outrage. Sorry, not sorry. Chair 21, we have been constantly living under threats of fines and imprisonment for almost two years. He can take some honesty on how it's affected us. Books and tea, write, write an email, laugh out loud. Yeah, what a joke that is. Rumble, Maria, see you. They want to have a private life, so back off from ours. Why politicians are telling us how we should live, including sex. Yeah, that's not even a joke. Like Teresa Tam. <laughs> Wear a mask while having sex, Canada's top doctor suggests. Also, how dare you ask us questions while we're privately having dinner on the patio. Stop invading my privacy on the patio in a public street. By the way, put a mask on when you're having sex. Hey, what you do in your own bedroom, Teresa Tam, don't, don't, you know, just, I don't want to know any more. Andy B, hyperchat, 500 library tokens. That's a lot of library. By the way, you can make a donation on Odyssey in, um, in, in, in regular money. It doesn't have to be in library anymore. Um, you can do it in dollars. I think it's only U.S. dollars for now, but I think it's changing. They're going to have Canadian. You know what? I'm going to take a short detour here because I, I, they always say, Ezra, can you at least try and do a little bit of commerce on the show? And I'm just so busy rambling. But I am told that we have some new stuff in the Rebel News store. And I'm glad to hear it because I think we need to pump up s some of our offerings. I'll finish that, guys. I, okay, let me finish that chat, and then I'm going to come back. 500 libraries. That's a lot of library. From Andy B. Thank you, Andy. Currency creation is the central planner's tool of control. How do we render that tool useless? We need to reject centralized fiat currency and opt for a decentralized Permissionless, borderless sound money that is rules. The mass adoption of Bitcoin is the end of totalitarianism. We have hope. Listen, I believe in all of that. And I know that Bitcoin goes up and down, and there's a speculative side to it also. There's also a manipulative side to it. I think Elon Musk is a bit of a, a cryptocurrency manipulator. Um, I think China has a, a role here too. They don't like cryptocurrency because it is resistant to state control. That's why they've been banning cryptocurrency mining in China. But I agree with you, and I think we're in for inflation of prices. I think we're in for an era of printing money and to devalue it. So I think that in the long term, uh, cryptocurrencies will not only give us financial independence from the government, but also some for sort of privacy, but, which is why I think governments hate it so much. Anyhow, thanks for that chat. Um, what were we going back? We were going to the store. I want to show you some new stuff in the store. Can you, can you click on new designs? Save the pastors, rebelize. That's a good one. 1984 was not an instruction manual. What's that one there? Don't ever, yeah, Mar Marty, whatever happens. Don't ever go to 2020. That is so right. That's so right. What does that one say? Yeah, sometimes faith will make you look. And uh, until yeah, woke a cola. That's a good one. And got my shot. It's a shot. Yeah. Okay. Keep keep scrolling. What do we got there? Everything will be okay in the end. The lies gotta go. Boy, there's a lot of shirts here, eh? Fauci Nokio. I know someone who would wear that. I gotta get. I, 
Where do these ship? Do these ship to the U.S. and Canada? Yeah, free shipping. I know someone in the States who would love that Fauci Nokia one. I'm going to send it to her. Um, oh, there's the Menzies one. He's almost like that in real life. Like, he's getting fit, isn't he? He's pretty fit. All right. By the way, um, we have women's the men's always t-shirt. So it's a different shape, obviously, than a men's shape. Um, I wonder if we can show that. So go to the... Hey, it's, just, it's just cut a little bit differently. So that's at rebelnewsstore.com. We're getting good stuff. Socialist distancing, that's very funny. I really like it when Avi wears that one. You know who wears our stuff also? Uh, Sheila wears a lot of our gear. Actually, everyone wears it. I was going to say Adam Sos wears it a lot. I got to wear it, yeah, but I, I wear a jacket, so you couldn't really see it under there. And I like wearing a little collar shirt. Frankly, I should probably wear a tie. Anyways, thanks to all those folks who, who buy stuff from our store. 1257, I want to make sure you see this video from Australia. Um, I think they've had a grand total of three deaths from COVID-19 in the entire continent. It's a very big place, Australia. Population-wise, it's not huge, but still three deaths in, in a year. I think that's the stats. And of course, it's, it's like everywhere else in the West. The average age of death is actually older than life expectancy. These people are in their 80s. Um, it just does not make any sense. Do we have the two clips? Can we show the, uh, the first clip, which is I think there was one death, so they shut down. You don't have that super handy. We'll start with the other one. Here's, I forget, there's, uh, I forget the names of the different states in Australia. This is one of the, maybe this is New South Wales, I'm not sure. This is the pu- public health officer. There's just no science here. This is, this is just someone who's out of, whose emotions are out of control, has no control over themselves, is babbling, is ranting, is a crazy person, a crazy person who would never be elected, a crazy person with no authority, who's just babbling, vomiting out her own fears and cooking up things with no scientific basis. I think she is unwell, but listen to her. Whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. So even if you run into your next door neighbor, in the shopping centre, in the Coles, while you're at Coles Woolworths or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. Now is the time for minimising your interactions with others. Even if you've got a mask, do not think that affords total protection. We want to be absolutely sure that as we go about our daily lives, we do not come into contact with anyone else that would pose a risk. There's no other way to say it. That's complete bullshit. She is a wicked liar. I'm sure in her mind, she's a hero, a champion, a high priestess of some lockdownist cult. Don't have conversations with other humans, even if you're socially distanced and wearing masks. There's no science behind that. Like, no one has said that. This kook is in charge. Don't be friendly. Don't be friendly. Who the hell are you, you freak? Don't have conversations. Minimize interactions, even with a mask. 
Hey, do you think she lives that way? Do you think the governing class, the ruling class, the lockdownists live that way? Of course she's a liar. Of course she made that up. But people obey her. She has power. What is that but tyranny? Did you think tyranny would be wearing a swastika or a hammer and sickle and like a German Nazi uniform and would be, you know, with a, what are those sticks that, you know, like some sort of swizzle stick kind of, you know, like a spear or something? Do you think it would look like some secret police? Do you think tyranny, when it comes, looks like some World War II Nazis movie? Like the sound of music, like the stereotypical Nazis there? Do you think that would, how it's, uh, that's how it looks? No, we would be on guard for that. We'd say, you're a fascist. What happens when it looks like a dopey um, housewife uh, who's the most um, you know, innocuous-looking person, innocuous-sounding person who's got a little joke about the different grocery stores, and then embedded in her lullaby, she says, don't talk to anyone, don't be friends with anyone, don't have any conversations, minimize your interactions, even if you're a mask and socially distanced. I'm sorry, you look like a friendly mum, but you are an evil, wicked woman as much as any tyrant dressed in, in a, po- a secret police uniform. What a disgrace she is, and yet people are so obedient. And I want to show you how crazy it is in Australia. Do you have that other clip I was mentioning? Go ahead, play it. Good evening. Within hours, Sydney will be in the grip of much tougher restrictions. The Premier clamping down on the stubborn Delta outbreak with what she's calling a no-regrets policy. And this is why. From a record 82,000 tests, the state today recorded 111 cases and tragically the third COVID death in this outbreak, a man aged in his 80s from the city's southeast. Across Greater Sydney, retail shops will now close. A small list of essential stores can remain open. Construction sites across the city shut down. And from midnight tonight, 110 suburbs across Liverpool, Fairfield and Canterbury-Bankstown will be sealed shut. That's 900,000 residents who can't leave their area, even for work. Good evening. I'm sorry, that's evil. And what is the role of that news presenter there? Well, she was just reporting the facts, but the media has been so complicit. You've just, you, you heard her say there was a single death. In Sydney, one of the world's leading cities, a city of many millions, one death of someone in their 80s. And so you're shutting down the whole place. Only a small number of essential... You're shutting down construction? Have you ever seen a construction site? It's outdoors. It's young, healthy men. they're not, in clo- they're not right next to each other. Like there's a guy up in the crane. There's a guy with the cement truck. There's guy- You're shutting that down? Has there ever in history been a documented case of coronavirus spreading at a construction site? I've never heard. I mean, there's no outdoor spreading. It's just not a thing. Or statistically insignificant. Construction, <laughs> it is more dangerous. Construction is more dangerous at, about construction You're shutting down construction. 110 suburbs, 900,000 people banned from going to work, obviously going to school, going to anything, because one man in his 80s died in a city. What's the population of Sydney? It's it's probably more than 5 million, right? I I just can't believe it. So let's say you've been at home listening to that BS for a year and a half. 
and they finally unlock you. <laughs> I love that, the no regrets policy. What? And no, no questioning of this, no questioning this. So you're, you're under that, in Canada has been under a form of that, one of the worst. And you finally encounter one of the lockdownists. Yeah, you're going to mouth off a bit. You're going to mouth off a bit. All right, Justin, it's 104. Um, big thanks to everyone who was chatting. I, I think I got to the ones that Justin shared me. Big thanks to Andy B for 500 Library. I, I'm not familiar with Library completely, but I know it's a cryptocurrency that's used on Odyssey. Uh, and, of course, you can also use regular money. So I appreciate that contribution. Um, is there anything else we ought to do before we sign off today, Justin? All right. Well, thanks for your help. And um, there's so much going on. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in as we do on the four platforms. Odyssey, which uh, we talked about. SuperU.net, a Vancouver-based free speech channel. Rumble.com, based here in Toronto, actually. And YouTube, uh, they haven't kicked us off yet, although they have demonetized us and they clearly throttle us every time. That's the show for today. Uh, we like to end with dog videos. Do we have a dog video today? Indeed we do. I'll say goodbye now. I'll be back at 8 p.m. Eastern for my nightly show. And here's a dog video curated by Justin.